Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. Number one podcast of all time. By some metric, somewhere, assuredly. By all metrics of people with taste. What antiques are we talking about this week? Well, Ken, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about Pianos. Ah, yes. <laughs> one leg of the triumvirate of antiques no one wants to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> These are possibly the most maligned antiques. Right up there with sewing machines and grandfather clocks is the mighty piano. The piano. D, what is a piano? I've always wondered, but I've never been brave enough to ask. It is an instrument that uses a variety of different mechanisms, but the general overview is that it has a mechanism that percusses a string, creating a tone. I see you are already laying out your argument for is the piano a string instrument or a percussion instrument? It's neither, it's a piano. I just love that the music world has its own version of is a hot dog a sandwich. It irritates me deeply. (laughs) It does its own thing. It wouldn't exist if it were either of those other two things. If you needed a piano to just be a string instrument, you would just play the violin. Not a harpsichord? Well, uh, interestingly enough, the piano exists because it's not a harpsichord. (laughs) (laughs) We're learning a lot today. Very fucking directly. The invention of the pianist uh, is credited to Bartolomeo Cristofori of Padua, Italy. Well done. He was assigned... These are, picture this in caps, this is a proper noun. Uh Uh-huh. Keeper of the instruments. Yeah. For Prince Ferdinando Medici. Someone's got to keep the damn things. Otherwise they get out. Have you ever been rich enough to just invent a job? (laughs) What if you could craft a title whole cloth? Well, to be fair, if you don't have Spotify and your only way of hearing music is hearing people play it live and you need a lot of instruments for a lot of people to play because you're very rich and you need music all the time. You do kind of need at least one person making sure all the instruments are there and in good order. Well, now, Cristofori was responding to a problem that the harpsichord was too fucking loud. Sorry, too loud? Too loud. Well, not loud necessarily. It was in response to the fact that there weren't any instruments that could vary whether they were being played loud or soft. You either played loud or you played soft. This is very frustrating to Cristofori. I was gonna say, if harpsichords were loud, then why did Bach need to play four of them at once? Well, he's just flashy. (laughs) (laughs) So, Cristofori imagined an instrument similar to the harpsichord that could be varied in its intensity, which is why the piano, before it was called the piano, was called Un Cimbalo di Cipresso di Piano e Forte. Later shortened to the Piano Forte, which means soft loud, and then certain from there to simply piano, which does just mean soft. Yes, uh, so that, that whole phrase means a keyboard of cypress with soft and loud. Well done. So yeah, the, the pianoforte or forte piano is literally just an instrument to bridge the gap between two other instruments. Which is why, like, if it were an animal, it would have its own species. Like a hyena. Like a hyena. It is neither cat nor dog, but its own thing. But it's its own thing. Now, there are many types of pianos. Good lord, there are so many fucking types of pianos. Oh my god, how many pianos need to exist? The limit does not exist. (laughs) I'm not gonna bother getting exhaustive. Um, We'd be here for a very long time. Just like listing me, like list things off like Ben Stein. I think the three major categories we need to cover are grand, upright, and perhaps baby grand. No, actually baby grands are under grand. The third category is previously referred to as specialized, now broadly referred to as digital. Oh, so keyboards. Uh, Keyboard is actually its own thing. There are just digital pianos. Oh no. Oh. 
Yeah. Hey, I am not courting disaster from the musical types. <laughs> a keyboard is a different instrument. Do you agree or not? Write in antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. Are you smarter about instruments than me? Write in. Sometimes <laughs> I don't have to write in. It's going to be it's gonna be terrible book club. I was going to say, it's got to be Chris and Paris. <laughs> we both studied music. <laughs> They're both musicians. They didn't just study it, they make it. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't. I know musicians who couldn't tell me jag shit about shit, but they can. Can I quote you on that? Yes. <laughs> Great. Love that for me. And in regards to any topic, because I guarantee I would say it about anything. You say, chicken nuggets? And I'd say, I've met musicians who couldn't tell me shit about that. <laughs> tell me more about this soft loud. So the types of pianos are the upright, the grand, and the specialized. I'm going to say specialized because we are talking about antique pianos, and largely I don't care about the digital ones. Wait, does this mean we get to cover player pianos? Exactly. That's a specialized piano. I love that so much. I am so on board. Let's go. Other specialized types of pianos can include the silent piano, which had a very specific sound dampening system. Any difference of the general mechanism for an upright or a grand would get its own sort of category underneath a specialized piano. Including, of course, the player piano, which, if you don't know what that is, it is a piano that plays itself using paper reels, very similar to the early computations used in fabric mills. Or a music box is probably a simpler way to think of it. A player piano is a really, really big, heavy music box. Damn. Now, the upright can include the most common versions, the console and the spinet. Most of these distinctions are made by how high up it is and how long it is. <laughs> and the grand, which includes most notably the concert grand and the baby grand, although there is a size for everything in between. Grand pianos are mostly measured in how long boy they are. They're fairly uniform with their up and down. Grand pianos are considered the BMW of pianos. They are largely agreed to have the best, most awesomest of sounds. And as we'll explore it in a little bit, uh, they hold their value the best. Now, Ken, do you know how to identify a piano? Well, for me personally, step one is look at it. Okay, yeah. And if it looks like a piano, I usually conclude it is a piano. <laughs> I, I usually, yeah, I usually picture a cartoon character from the 80s and think about if I could drop it on them. I just, yeah. Does it got keys? Does it go kerplonk? Probably piano. Uh, I mean, that's actually, it could be an organ. Organs are just pianos with delusions of grandeur. I swear to God, it's like you're trying to get, <laughs> it's like you're doing a hit piece on this podcast specifically for the Berkeley crowd. No. An organ is a different instrument. <laughs> but is an organ a woodwind? I have no idea. <laughs> I only ever played piano. Is it an organ, a woodwind, or a percussion? It's an organ! <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, y'all y'all gonna start coming up to me with jars of salsa being like, is this a cup? And it's like, well, I, you know, I can see how they're related, but it's its own thing. <laughs> a hot dog is a hot dog. <laughs> if it was a sandwich, it wouldn't be shaped that way. Do you know for a fact that a hot dog is a sandwich? Write in antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. No, don't talk about this. I'll block you. I will block you on my personal, I swear to God. Well, so the first thing to identify, like you said, is to look at it. It's pretty easy to tell them apart by the shapes, at least between upright and grand. One is vertical, the other horizontal. Yeah. In which direction is it fuck big? <laughs> if the direction is up, then you're looking at it upright. <laughs> If the direction is spread all over the floor and, oh, dear God, how are we going to move it out of this room? It's a grand. <laughs> so that's probably not going to be enough to help you know what you're working with. Good news is that most pianos are marked. There should be a brand, which will likely be on the cover over the keyboard or on the space above that cover. 
and there'll be a serial number or some other sort of manufacturing code inside the piano. Within the piano. It's usually hidden. It's a fun scavenger hunt for you. Grand pianos are likely to have these serial codes under the lid by the tuning pins, which I learned the hard way by smashing my hand on the tuning pins. Oh, God. (laughs) Or... (laughs) <laughs> and this, several several sources said this. Anywhere else under there. I don't know if you've handled a grand piano, Ken. I have. I have many regrets in my life. Have you been inside that son of a gun? Yeah. There's a lot of space in there, in there. And it's like dark. Enough for several toddlers, yeah. I don't like that that was your first example. Well, I was a toddler and I was inside the piano and there was definitely room for more than one of me in there. Someone put you in a piano as a toddler? They know that Piano Babies is like a- I put me in the piano. They put me in the same room as the piano. That was their first mistake. Contributions to depreciation of value include toddlers and pianos. (laughs) (laughs) On an upright piano, the serial number is always on the back of the piano where the strings are. Check the upper right and left corners. It also might just be behind a plate somewhere. This is infuriating to think about. (laughs) I actually don't have a lot of experience with uprights, and it makes me mad thinking about having a plate that needs to be removed to see the serial number. I don't recommend doing that yourself if you ever want to play the piano. It seems like you would damage the strings. But once you have the serial number, you can use our big, beautiful baby, the internet, to look it up, which should help you identify perhaps if there are multiple factories for the company where it was made and when it was made, as well as details to its exact make and model. I found the Clink Scale database, which allows serial number and features to look for the your piano information. It was very exhaustive, and it looks like it would be good for that. If the piano doesn't have any markings, I would honestly just sort of give up on it. Wow. Well, it's not likely to be any of the valuable pianos, now is it? What if it's a Stradivarius, D? It's the Stradivarius. He made a piano. (laughs) He made one piano as well. Good luck. Thus proving once and for all it is in fact a string instrument. They found one Stradivarius, but there's there's still one of his pianos out there. Go get it. (laughs) For legal reasons, this is a joke. For legal reasons, our episode on the Stradivarius coming soon. Now, is a piano worth anything? No. Next question. Now, now, the answer is probably no. (laughs) Next question. The answer is almost certainly no, unless you have the secret one that Stradivarius built. (laughs) So value hinges on, amusingly enough, three things. Location, location, and location. Location. Where the fuck is- uh, uh, That's only partially a joke. It's barely a joke. Location does matter. Location absolutely matters because moving these things is a nightmare. Yeah. More on that shortly. You're going to want to look at historical value, a concept which includes both brand and provenance. If you can in some way prove that an important family or famous musician or other figure of note owned this piano, that's going to add to its value. But that could be said about literally any object. Some brands are naturally more valuable just due to their quality. Some of these include Steinway, Baldwin, Mason and Hamlin, or the Beckstein. The second category is casework. Is it beauty? It is money. And, to the least degree, age. Remember, just because something is old doesn't mean anybody wants it. So piano's value lies largely in, is it beautiful? Is it money? Is it historical? The only thing left is, is it a good instrument? And the older they get, the lower the chances are that it is. This is why brands, big brands like Sauter, Beckstein, tend to be worth more, is because their quality tends to be higher, which leads to the old models sounding still pretty good. Now I know what you're thinking, 
but my piano's over a hundred years old. It's an actual antique. Surely it has some historical value. And I need you to know that they were mass manufacturing these things for the general market by the 1860s. Yeah, absolutely. I would wager there are almost as many pianos out there as there are sewing machines. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's an extremely popular instrument. And here's the thing. A sewing machine is much easier to repair into working order, learn to use, and have a use for. Now there you go. So if you say, hey, do I want to take a chance on this sewing machine or a chance on this piano? I'm going sewing machine. And you know I hate those fuckers. (laughs) And I can usually, however, even if it's difficult, carry a sewing machine up to my second floor apartment. It's doable. It's possible. It'll fit through the door. So yeah, this is to the idea that a piano has a lifespan. Now, like a human, this lifespan can be inflated through care. Um, And I want you to think about that 100-year-old piano and think very carefully about has it been played? Has it been serviced regularly? Do you know how it works? Do you clean it regularly? This isn't a read. I'm just saying that when the answer is no to a lot of those questions, its lifespan is being cut short. Damn, that piano had such promise. (laughs) But then it started hitting the bottle and picked up a pack a day and now look at it. Yeah, did you hold, hug, love your piano? Did you talk to your piano about hard drugs? I never did. And you know, my piano got addicted to tuning forks. Does your piano drink enough milk? No, I never gave it any. Well, that was your first mistake. Restoration is a thorny topic. Restoration can either buoy up the value or completely destroy it, depending on a variety of microcosms of choice. So you're a little rolling the dice in the restoration game, huh? (laughs) Very much so. Um, I've seen a lot of people suggest restoration only if the piano is important to you to be played. Other than that, like, I guess go with your gut. Because even a piano that has been restored to playability, it might have had its parts swapped out from older parts to modern parts, which changes its value. Um, You think about people who get really into the sound quality of certain kinds of guitars, right? Yeah. It's like that. Like our friend Chris, whom we will certainly be hearing from by the time this podcast airs, on this subject particularly. (laughs) I hope so. I love to learn. I I never worry about being wrong, because being wrong is just another way to learn. The more you know... But some people consider those old mechanisms part of the reason a piano would be important, because it sounds a certain way. When you restore it, you are updating those mechanisms, and it does not sound that way any longer. Now I'm just imagining someone refurbishing a Stradivarius. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. That, that like, makes my head hurt, because I have no idea how people would feel about that. Because a Stradivarius may as well be fake to me. Everyone would lose their shit. Are you insane? The whole thing is that they sound like nothing else on this earth. The Stradivarius is, like, the hope diamond to me. No one's ever gonna play it, and I'm never gonna know. You know they're, like, making recordings of the known ones to preserve the sound, right? I did not know that. More in our Stradivarius episode. (laughs) (laughs) Stradivarius episode, which is basically just us saying, like, stop. Give up. (laughs) I often consider a Stradivarius the piano of violins. (laughs) It's the the Instagram of gaming. (laughs) You're so good at metaphors, Ken. (laughs) One of my greatest gifts. Now, keep in mind that restoration of a piano, if you're thinking, well, it's just a little neglected for 100 years, it's still good, it's still good. Restoring a piano starts at $2,000, and it only goes up from there. So, if someone was to buy a used piano, they would have to really have a reason to love it, to pour that much money into it. 
And as we all know with restoration estimates, they never stay on the lower end, now do they? No, fair enough, no. In fact, I found a pianoman who charted out the depreciation values. Within the first year of buying a piano, it immediately drops down to 78% of its value, and it continues very quickly from there. It's a bit like driving a new car off the lot. It is. Obviously, it's going to be still higher value because you can. It, it's still more useful than a car off the lot. Cars die quick. They're the mayflies of technology. I don't know that a piano has ever been vital for my work commute in the way a car has, but yeah, I guess you're right. A piano is more valuable, question mark? And for Steinways particularly, by 40 years, they are worth $1,000 or so of shell value, which means if its case is nice, it might be worth restoring. Right. That still doesn't explain how I'm going to use the piano to get to work, though. I mean, you saw Vanessa Carlton video. Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah, she was getting around just fine. Damn. Don't be dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, keeping in mind that this is a Steinway's piano that can run you, like, over $100,000... It's kind of like buying a car for the frame with nothing else in it. Damn. Now, some pianos will be slightly more valuable. Slightly. Any piano produced by a notable maker that is no longer in business? Because that's a limited quantity right there. Any very small piano. I'm sure you can take a wild guess as to why that is valuable in today's day and age. Because you can actually move the damn thing. Yeah, very much so. Um, Generally, a piano was a vanity thing to have. So the smaller ones are actually a little bit harder to find, or, you know, at least in terms of antiques. So the idea being, you buy a piano as a flex, so why would you buy a small one? Why would you get a little tiny one, yeah. This goes double for, they're called baby grand pianos, but it turns out a great baby grand piano can vary in length. Um, five feet in length or shorter is what is suggested as very small. We actually did have one in the shop that uh, a local pianist lovingly dubbed the fetal grand. Because <laughs> it was so dang tiny. And it still took us three years to sell that motherfucker. Because it was a fucking piano. Because it's a goddamn piano. (laughs) So are you looking to buy a used piano, Ken? God, no. (laughs) Are you high? Okay. Why Uh, the fuck would I do that to myself? I don't know. You want to be a cultured gent. You want to play the piano. That's why God invented the electric keyboard. No, God invented the electric keyboard so Perturbator could make fun buzzy noises. Oh shit, you're right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for recognizing. Would it help the episode if I lived in a fantasy world where I was the kind of person who wanted to buy a piano? No, because I actually don't have a lot of um, advice that you can't get from my advice for selling a piano. Which is just don't walk away. Well, I mean, it's you just reverse all of my selling advice and you'll get your buying advice right there. Um, <laughs> Some have said that selling is like buying in reverse. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? When you really think about it. Number one, if you know that you will sell your piano at a point in time in the future, keep service records of what you have done to fix it or maintain it, including tuning. This will give people like a pretty good baseline of understanding where it's at in terms of wear and tear. Did you change the oil on that piano? Write down the date. In addition to the brand, the model, any special features that it has. Doggy mode. Yeah. Does it have doggy mode? Is this an investment? (laughs) How much in Bitcoin? No, you don't understand. The software updates on the piano actually make it worth more as time passes. No, my toddler fits in it, so it's safe for him. It's got toddler (laughs) mode. 
<laughs> you should include if you're the original piano's owner, or if you're if you're familiar with the original owner in cases where it's been passed down through the family. This is called provenance. Mais ouais. How long you owned the piano. I'm going to include this one verbatim because it made me laugh so fucking hard. Has the piano ever spent time outside of the state it was originally purchased in? Which makes me think that the piano is applying for a security clearance of some type. <laughs> Did they mean like underwater like what <laughs> outside of the state like oh it was like has your piano ever been to rhode island what what are you <laughs> quoting i need you to source this quote right now this is from aaron pianos.com well aaron you've baffled me so good job <laughs> <laughs> which like on the same page he says i probably won't buy your piano <laughs> which is a really good sign for your business <laughs> Yes, I buy pianos. No, not yours. This page tells you how to go to Craigslist with your shitty piano that Aaron doesn't want. You know what? (laughs) I think Aaron might be my new best friend. (laughs) The most important thing to mention to a prospective buyer is how hard is it going to be to get this big bitch out of here? Impossible. Good night. This is extremely important because the next section is how to move a piano. Don't. You will hurt yourself. And everyone around you. It is such a bad idea unless you know what you're doing. Now, obviously, if you're saying, but I'm a professional mover, I specifically have experience with moving these kinds of large, heavy objects, and sometimes piano specifically. Well, then, obviously, I'm not talking about you, now am I? And to everyone else, you should hire that guy. This isn't for you. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't make it for you. Piano moving is its own topic in terms of moving, that there are moving companies that will specifically let you know if they specialize in piano moving or if they do it particularly well. Or if they really do not want to move your piano and have pianos on their list of banned objects, they won't move for you. Yeah, some smaller movers will tell you to fuck right off with that, because it's a specialized thing that needs to be considered differently from other furniture. In Boston, there is a company called Alston Piano Moving Company, where guess what they do? Do they move pianos? They move your piano. Wonderful. Anything where someone can charge an extremely premium price to do it for you professionally is not something you should take lightly when it comes to doing it yourself. Plumbing? Electrician? These are not things you would do willy-nilly, or shouldn't, if you would. You really shouldn't. Please don't DIY your electricity on a whim, Jesus Christ. Yeah, just be realistic about your abilities, your skills, and how easy it is to learn something. Obviously, like, you know, you can wire a lamp fairly safely, but you can't wire your ceiling light. Again, if you're an electrician, obviously I'm not talking about you. Just always get a professional to help you move a piano, which ties right back into why it's so fucking hard to sell them. Because the buyer is probably going to need a lot of resources just to move it. Or they'll buy it and then expect the cost of moving it to be included in that price. So you should make clear that it's not upfront. Absolutely. I saw some bickering back and forth on a piano forum. Yes, those exist. Of course. About whether or not you should have a bill of sale for selling it. I say absolutely, because there's so many questions about the particularities of the sale that you would want to have legally ironed out. 
including does this include the cost of moving why would you want there not to be a record of you selling a piano what are you trying to hide because i don't think any money you would get from piano sale could possibly be enough to make it worth your time to hide it from the tax man as weighed against the sheer number of problems that will result if you cannot prove that someone owns this piano and someone exchanged money for it yeah it's a really good way to immediately suss out if someone's trying to fucking rob you you know perhaps to get into your house which they've deemed expensive enough to have a piano in it because you can just say that there's going to be paperwork involved and they'll not call you back if you've gone through all of this of us talking shit about your piano (laughs) yours specifically how crappy and terrible your piano is how unimportant it is in the grand scheme of things how little your piano is how nothing it is to me (laughs) you're still saying fuck you this piano's got this got it this this piano's different it's gonna go far kid then I fully encourage you to have it appraised. Oh, well then. That is one of the very few ways that you can really sell someone on the price of your piano as you've advertised it. Money where your mouth is, sir. I think in the long run, it's going to make it way easier for you. You will have a hard number to rely on. And at the same time, you'll have documentation proving it to the buyer that someone else thought that was true. Someone who cares about pianos. Someone who isn't hosting this podcast. Not me. Not me. Um, I will not do that. (laughs) I normally don't tell people to run out and get an appraisal. I think that there are lots of things that with dedication, time, and effort, you can pretty reliably price out yourself. This is not one of them. If you are certain that you want to sell it, you are certain that it's going to be worth whatever money is important to you, then it might be worth it to get an appraisal. I've seen online appraisals go for... 30 to $50 in-person appraisals, around 100 to 200 to compensate them from travel. And I think uh, 100 to 200 is a bit much for me because I think that's what your piano's probably worth. I think your piano is worth less because the only way I have ever seen someone successfully get rid of a piano is by donating it to someone else for free usually to a church or a school. For perspective, at the antique store, we had a very small grand piano in excellent repair that we kept maintained that was lovingly played by pianists who liked the way it sounded, and it took us three years to sell it. Because it was a fucking piano! And we only did that because we were a store that had the space and time to dedicate to hanging on to something in the hopes of selling it. Something as big as a piano! And we did that mostly because we recognized that a very small grand piano would be liked by someone. If it had been larger, it is not likely we would have taken it on. For one thing, getting it to the second floor of the mill would have been something of a feat, even with the freight elevator. I was gonna say, well, we had a loading dock and a freight elevator, so it was relatively easy for us. I don't know that an actual grand piano would have fit in that freight elevator. No, but it would have fit on our loading dock, but the cost to have people move it for us so that we all weren't extremely injured. Yeah. I saw the receipt for what the buyer had paid to have it transported, and it was in the thousands. Again, more than the piano itself is worth. (laughs) Of course, that piano was traveling uh, suspiciously outside of the state, so I don't know if they got the... (laughs) They were violating some sort of Piano Man Act, but... (laughs) Sing us a song of the Piano Man Act? Yeah. Oh god, that's a really good pun. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want you to let it slip away. So you need to very seriously consider if you are so certain of this piano's value that you are willing to put up with this number of headaches. Just really consider how- (laughs) what are you willing to put up with today? (laughs) 
not fucking (laughs) this. This This is not going to be a one and done sale like a small table or anything. This is going to take a lot of logistics, a lot of calling people back, and a lot of waiting. A lot of people saying it would be perfect for them if only it wasn't a fucking piano. Uh, Yeah, I I feel like it's a super common thing for people to to see pianos at like at flea markets and antique stores and kind of boggle at how something that low priced hadn't sold. And I think that's just because it's very easy to shop for something without considering the material reality of bringing it home. Uh Uh-huh. God knows I've done that. God knows I've done that. Never as bad as with a piano, but, you know. Something something embalming table? Something something embalming table, although I made the right decision on that and I didn't buy it. (laughs) I left it to someone who owned a moving company. Uh, So, this- (laughs) what is the- The, the, the lesson of this episode is temper your fucking expectations. Vis-a-vis pianos specifically. If you just need it out of your house and you're really hoping that it won't be destroyed because it is in some way valuable to you or it's still good, you can look into donating it somewhere that might want it. That way all they'll have to worry about is the expenses of moving it. Something like a school, a theater, a, a church. church. So you can shop around and see if any of them would like it. And then you can be certain that it will be cared for to a certain degree. Or you might put it up on that big wide Craigslist and send it to the farm. Assuming anyone on Craigslist wants your piano, which is a big assumption. So, grim reality, some people break down the wood. Really? Yeah, yeah, reclaimed wood is so hot right now. Wow. If it's old enough, some people just sort of tear off the keys and use the ivory. Oh, hey, should we have a section on how the ivory laws apply to pianos? They don't. That's it. Okay, good talk. Broadly speaking, all piano keys with ivory are pre-sites, which uh, makes them, like, by nature, completely not regulated by any of the bands. So basically, if it's on a piano, the piano is probably old enough that it's not covered under the ivory ban? Exactly. In fact, if it's on a piano, that's already an indication of age. They stopped using ivory on pianos pretty early, I think by the 1915s, although no one seems 100% sure, when everyone agreed to stop using them. I have not seen anyone have any legal issue with selling ivory keys. Which is why they're quite valuable to people is because it's a legal way to trade in ivory and practice scrimshanding. Oh. So yeah, that's one thing you could do with them. Perhaps someone, if you're in the right area, could harvest it for parts. But the idea is that if you're putting it up on Craigslist to whoever will come get it, you have no guarantee as to its future. So you're gonna have to be okay with the idea that it'll be destroyed. You might want to skip that step and call a for-profit recycler and see what they can do. But if you are absolutely certain that you want to sell it, you can check out areas like, and I love this, pianoadoption.com. Love that. Love that already. It is a marketplace specifically for pianos. So if you're right and the piano is worth having, someone will take an interest in it. And that someone will probably come prepared understanding the difficulties of the transaction that's about to happen. Uh, Other places to look are local piano enthusiast forums. And you can call secondhand music shops and see if they either are buying or know a guy who'll buy. Do they know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who might give a single solitary fuck about your piano? Yeah, a lot of selling this kind of thing is sort of chasing leads. So if you are not into that, you hate making calls, you're socially anxious, you might dump it. (laughs) Just saying. It's a shame. I think every piano is special and beautiful, but every piano can't be special and beautiful. Because they're mass manufactured and have been for almost a century? Uh, I was going to say because people really just don't have the means to maintain and keep them, but that too. I hope we have at least answered everyone's question as to why all the local antique stores aren't champing at the bit to snap up their piano. Or why we're so flip and dismissive about pianos when we talk about them. I think that just might be our abrasive personalities, I don't know. (laughs) No, I, like I said, I, I do love pianos. 
Uh, I think they're a delight. I love listening to people play them. I love to play it myself. But I am realistic about their material value and their place in our lives. Which is worse, the guy who whips out an acoustic guitar at a party when no one asks, or the guy who sits down to a piano in a public place when no one asked? I have never been mad at the latter, and I am always mad at the former. (laughs) Now, that scale might change if they're singing. Oh... I find, in my experience, the pianist tends to sing less. In my experience, the pianist tends to think they've learned how to play their favorite pop tunes by ear, but they've never even heard of a metronome, so it's kind of a nightmare, acoustically. (laughs) The piano is, like, with its largeness and its echoing effect, it kind of smooths the rough edges of even a bad performance. Not enough. Not enough. Like an acoustic guitar (laughs) kind of sounds like Shania Twain got stuck in your laundry bin and she's spinning it around and around in there. Oh no, someone get her out. I would take a bad piano performance any day over an average acoustic guitar performance. You are a braver soul than I. I think the piano has an inherent quality that makes it sound nice no matter what's happening on it. Are there any other questions you have about pianos that you'd like me to try to answer for you? No. Well then let's shut the case on this piano and shove it into the river. I do want to say just one quick point about the safety concerns of moving pianos. I can't stress enough not to do that, but yeah. So big and heavy, large, awkward, need at least three, ideally more people on hand. The interiority of the piano. The way a piano works is that it has metal strings, so wires that are specifically held at a very high tension because if the tension is not high, the sound does not happen. So if something happens to the interiority or frankly exteriority of the piano that compromises the structure holding that tension, all of that tension will then be released all at once on your human body. (laughs) And you know, there's the urban legend of using a piano wire as a garrote for a reason. And now I need you to imagine many piano wires, 88 keys worth of piano wires, if you will, just kind of flying in all directions towards your human body. Not ideal. Do you want to know what happens if you cheese wire your limbs? Try moving a piano. (laughs) Well, this is where hiring professionals can come in major handy because I don't know how to do this, but they can loosen the strings. Safely. Safely. Without accidentally breaking them. And without damaging the piano and its playability. And without damaging your fragile human body. Your squishy human flesh. That I'm assuming doesn't like to be scourged by piano wire. You know, piano wire is the same kind of wire they use to cut clay and cheeses. Yeah, I know. I've used it for one of those things. Do you know what has a strikingly similar density to human flesh? Hmm. Anyway. Oh, I'm just like a giant cheese. (laughs) At the end of the day, we are all just big ambulant cheese. We're all just cheese. And isn't that beautiful? Good night. Good night. And that's pianos. (laughs) Sources for this episode include... AntiquePianoShop.com. Bless you. They also have an online museum where you can look at nice pianos. From a safe distance. MusicalPursuits.com. ProducerHive.com. VIPArtFair.com. Antique Piano Value. AntiquesLoveToKnow.com. Antique Piano Values. ConcertPitchPiano.com. Moving a piano. Of which their advice, don't do that. And keyboardcraze.com, do pianos depreciate in value? Yes. Yes. Rapidly. (laughs) 
If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly at antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends. You can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com, or you can check out our Instagram at instagram.com slash antiquesfreaks. If you think Ken should meet his calling as an auctioneer, feel free to scroll on down wherever you're listening to this show and leave a comment, a review even, if you would. Five stars. He talked good real fast. Would like to buy thing from him. Or no stars. Extremely wrong about pianos and for some reason I'm taking it personally. One star. A piano is a sandwich. Three stars. A hot dog is a piano. <laughs> and if you need more Antiques Freaks in your week, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks where every week we are reading and reviewing a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye.